Welcome into episode two and a half of the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. And in the first part of this episode, Jason Goff and I had a great conversation. Jason came by the house, hung out in the living room. We talked for two hours and we talked a lot about his time at the score and how his time at the score came to an end. And now we'll go more in depth into that conversation. It was emotional at times. It was hard being in the room with him, knowing that he was struggling with some of this stuff that we were talking about, but he definitely wanted to share. So inside this portion of the interview, we're going to talk about how things ended, why it hurts him so much. We're going to talk about Colin Kaepernick. And honestly, we're going to talk about issues of race. So if that's not your thing, you shouldn't go on any further. But I would appreciate it if you did, because I think that these conversations are important to have. And I think we need to do a better job of discussing this all the way around and learning from each other. Where we'll start is continuing off from where part one ended where Jason is talking about why he felt it was important to speak. So if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, thank you. appreciate it. If you're listening on iTunes, please give us a a five-star review. That would be great. And we appreciate your patronage. So here is part two of the conversation with Jason Goff, talking with him on why he felt it was important to say something. Some of them I had to, because you get put in a trick box where it's, defend what you did or how you did things and be thought of as the angry black guy or don't say anything about it and allow suck to just to walk, you know? I mean, hell, when I found out, you know, I still had to go on air and I was professional. It's cool. Were you expecting to not at all. Because it doesn't usually happen not that not way. At not at all. Not at all. Um, what I was expecting is far different than what happened. You know, there were people <clears throat> who were kind of gauging how I would feel about working with someone else. And this is the second time this has happened since I've been back. And both times... Because I feel like, you know, I'm I'm a flawed individual, but I, I want to comport myself with as much honor as I possibly can in the moment. Both times I was like, that's not my gig. Like, if I'm working with somebody, I'm not going to tell you, yeah, this is what it might be or this is what it should be. Everybody knows at the station that I've always wanted to work with you. So that's that goes without being said. But... I wasn't going to be like, yeah, you know, this guy or this guy. And then for me to go from that to one day just finding out, and you're like, wait a minute, (laughs) that can't be the case. It's like it's been 12 years that I've been working up to this point. You know, this is 18, May 14th made 18 years. Hmm. This has been 12 years that I've been working to this point and waiting to get to this point so I could show you how I get down and for it to be for it to be snatched in a way that was not only not only bad business but at the same time just just not not honorable you know I got no problem with you taking over a station it's your station but come holler at me. From November to the point I got let go in March, I had zero conversations with anybody in upper management about anything that I was doing. And this is why I save you text messages, save you emails. In fact, I was being applauded for when things were in the news, I would talk about them. And I knew what it was because in a way, you're looked at as a commodity. Like I, We got something that people don't have. Like I give my services, you benefit from my services, I get paid for my services. And that's that's not how I looked at it, but that's how I should have looked at it. And maybe this wouldn't be, this I wouldn't feel the way I feel about this. But not one conversation was had. So that means from that entire time, 
there's probably things happening behind the scenes that you could have just came and hollered me about. Like, all right, this is what we might do. That way I could have gotten ready. You know, I think two people know this and now everybody's going to know it. I'm going to, I'm going to be upset, but you know, I was kept off of the air for 30 days so they could void my deal. Like, that's not how, that's not how, not even just businessmen. That's not how men operate. That's not how stand-up women operate. Because I've honored contracts before that I knew were terrible. When I came back home, <clears throat> I, you know, when everybody thought it was like a canned food drive for me when I came back home. <laughs> when I came back home, um, I gave up 50 grand to come back to the station. You know, so decent chunk of money, but I, I wanted to prove something to myself and the people that I could do this. It was important to you. I, I mean, very I, much it's, so. It's been important to you for a long time. Very much so. So the time that all this is taking place, now all of a sudden lawyers and agents start to get involved and agents are hitting me up and people are telling me like, Yo, these columns that they that they are a part of with Phil Rosenthal and and Robert Feeder, like these are these are slanderous. This isn't for one, these these aren't true. Two, because the numbers thing is just a fallacy. Like that's that that I take an L, but the score should be the score, no matter what. You know, I'm talking about the actual scoreboard, not the score. That's, <laughs> that probably should be a theme of this, this podcast. But the the score should be the score. People people who, who hear things about radio think they know things about radio. When in our demographic, you know, we were finishing top five every rip. Every rip. Any any programmer of we'll sports it. radio will tell you that they care about the demographic of men mm-hmm. 25 to 54. Yeah. So if you put... A number that's a 12-plus number, right. you know, age 12 and up, or 6-plus number. Right. I mean, that's... Those are for the music formats. Right. And, and, no one program, no, no, no one who programs a sports radio station right. probably dips below 18 to 35 right. as far as demos to sell off exactly. of. So when they give them the 6-plus and 12-plus numbers to kind of, you know, muddy the waters a little bit, I was like, wow, like, this is not how... This is not how I've ever seen them operate with anybody else before. So I'm like, this kind of sucks now because now you're talking, you're taking shots at my producers as well. Everyone involved in that show. Like I'm a big boy. I could, you know, I could tell you, but you're not going, you're not going to drag the dudes that, that worked hard on that show. So that kind of bothered the hell out of me, you know? Um, and plus it's like, this has been home. So for someone to come in and to make it that when all it had to be was, hey, man, you know, going a different route. I appreciate you. Here's the rest of your money. Like that was that was tough. So, you know, it was and it's something that like changed me and, and put me in a, in a mind frame that I've never been in before. Man, I was getting up every day at noon. I'm not at noon. <laughs> I was getting up every day and preparing for a show. And then around noon, like my body, I had to have to like tell myself like, yo, I'm not doing anything today. And Lawrence, when I tell you it is like, I was, I was in a bad way. Like I, I go to sleep, bro. Cause I didn't want to be awake. How do you bring yourself out of that? You know, this is something that you prepare for every day and you have been preparing for every day since you were 12. So how do you go about continuing to prep? Because prep is very important. For sure. You are the uh, the most prepared talk show host that I know. How do you go about doing that, knowing that obviously there's going to be new opportunities, and, but you've been building muscles in one particular way? For a long time, and now you have to to change it almost to build muscles another way. Well, I mean, I'm still doing a lot of the same stuff I was doing. Um, you know, people 
There have been suitors. Like, I'm going to get back in the game here pretty soon. Um, but letting go of it, the way it went down, is tough. So, and I've slowly but surely I've gotten over most of it. Some some remnants of it are still there, and they, they'll be there probably for a while. But, you know, my son has been very important. Hang with him. And seeing him grow up, it's been, that's been awesome. Because I don't think about stuff when I'm with him. So, but I don't know. I just don't want it to, uh, I don't want it to change me. So how do you, how do you not let it change you? Because I mean, it's clear that it's, you know, I think about this too. I mean, I know that like in my mind, like I feel like my time at the score at some point is going to, to come to an end. And, you know, this in May, I celebrated 20. Right. So it was 20 years for me as a producer, reporter yeah. and host. And that was a big deal for me. But even Terry will tell you, you know, at, at 25 years that even if he hadn't gotten sick, Terry was some point you got 25 out. Yeah. I'm yeah. out the door for sure. with this when it's all you know when it's you you you've been a member of that family for for such a long time like how do you how do you compartmentalize it put it away and then rebuild and figure something else out well the only thing i can do for now, I'm sure something will show itself. But the only thing I can do is hope that there's a place for me um, and a place for the kind of person, kind of host that I am. Now, that may be somewhere else, but, you know, I don't want to have to move because I want my son to be here and I want to be around my son. But. I just, you know, the thing that, that bothers me the most, well, one of the things that bothers me the most is, like, how many kids, how many people you told, if you speak about something that's important to you in a way that we should be able to have, you know, the, the level of discourse that this thing is kind of, you know, everything, the deterioration of discourse, like, all you're doing is telling people, this ain't for you. Nothing's going to change. And I don't want to be the reason why, you know, a Tony Gill or, or, you know, the, 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 the D Davis show or these guys don't get a chance because you and hood and jigs and Fred Mitchell, like scoop scoop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these were the guys that came before me, right? So, and I, you know, I owe a lot to those guys. I don't want to be, I don't want this to be the, like, okay, we we tried. You know what I mean? Because we were successful. And with a lot of, you know, a lot of wind in our face, we were successful. I just, I, I the only reason I haven't, burned everything down on Twitter is because <laughs> is because because you're waiting to do it on the podcast <laughs> I appreciate that no, that's no, very nice of no you. because because um I was I don't regret anything I did like everything was official like when it was time for me to talk about things I talked about them now if I talked about things and I keep going back to this we did a two-week sample where I asked for you know recordings and stuff and I listened to it. And 17% of the time, during while it was in the news, the Colin Kaepernick stuff was happening, 17% of the show was that. And the rest of 83%, the other 83% was what you would consider normal sports talk. But if I'm doing that 17% of the time, and everyone around me besides you, I'm talking about in the city, is doing it zero, it may seem like a lot. So... You know, in the end, 
the only reason why I haven't pulled whatever hair I got left out is because I know I'm talented and I know that the things, the fears that I, that I used to have, I still have that are going to drive me the way that they drove me before. And, you know, you, you've always been, you've always been good at kind of putting things in a perspective for me, whether it be when we had, you know, that lunch uh, in Atlanta, you were telling me that at some point I was going to come back and do what I had to do or throughout this situation, you know, so taking advice from guys like you and, you know, Leon Rogers and, you know, some people who have, who still kept in close contact. I know things are going to be fine. I know things are going to work out, but it's the, it's the look, you know, because people who don't know your character now are questioning things because they've heard them or read, read about them. Like there's only what, eight of these jobs in the city, nine of these jobs in the city. And I had one of them. And for you to lose one of those jobs, whatever the circumstances may be, you have to explain that, or it has to be expressed to people who don't like I've had meetings with people at the other station and they know my character. They know me. Right. But who's to say when they get behind closed doors, they're not talking about these things that were said or these things that were thought of oh, all he wants to do is talk race. Nah, get out of here. Like anybody who's heard me coming up in my career knew that I talked about whatever was on the table, sports wise, whatever the case may be. And also, I mean, I appreciate the fact that so many people have texted me, tweeted me while I was on the air and up until now, like, yo, you changed my perspective on things. And that's all it really was, was, yo, I'm, I'm not going to change who you are as a person, but I've listened to you. I, we've, we've listened to you <laughs> and never felt alienated because I wanted to learn. So in these moments where there's a learning experience that could be shared, like why insult your listeners? And if you're not versatile enough, that's on you. Like, that's, that's your bad. And, I mean, what is it? I saw Richard Roper tweet out the uh, the pardon for Muhammad Ali that has already happened, right? And then you think about, you know, Jackie Robinson Day and and, and all these other things. And you're like, yo, if we jump in, a, jump in a time machine, you'd be pretty embarrassed to, to, to be on the side that you're on right now. There, you know what I mean? Like, there are lots of people who don't know that... <laughs> Colin Kaepernick's stance on the national anthem is akin to Jackie Robinson's sure. stance For sure. on it. For sure. And we conveniently forget. Mm-hmm. Like I, everybody likes to quote Martin. And, and They quote I Have a Dream. They don't right. quote Mountaintop. Right. They don't quote you let, know, Birmingham let it, let Jail. Or Letter from Birmingham yeah, Jail. They don't. Right. I mean, it's, it's frustrating, those conversations, <laughs> mainly because— it's weird, Jay, because I heard this somewhere, and I'm I'm, I'm not going to give it proper attribution, but a person can be reasoned with. People are crazy, you know. So, <laughs> so, you so give if, individually, and yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, everyone that that you and I, even if if we have a bad interaction with them via text line because you're anonymous, that same person talks with us they see us at a ball game or they see us out in the street the conversation goes differently For sure and there there is detente there is a feeling of okay i didn't get where you were coming from or now i'm looking you in the eyes it's a different experience to understand your point of view, yeah. and, and the same, I'm, I'm, the same goes for us too. Right? Like we, I have to experience, and I have to understand your experiences as well. I just, I just wish that that's all it is, and maybe it is that that we need to become. I look at it as a challenge to try and become a more effective communicator on the air. I mean, you know, and and I, I joke about this all the time that. The stuff that you guys were doing, whether it was, you know, you and Dan, you and Speaks, I mean, Parkins has talked a lot about some of this stuff. It, I want to make sure that, that we can still have these conversations. Mm-hmm. And 
I want it to be a place where people just don't put their fingers in their ears and go la 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 la. Yeah. But I did a lot of it on my show. Dog. You know, like Dan's done a lot of it. Lawrence, I mean, if we're gonna keep it funky. Um <laughs> That's why I joke about the diaspora and Every, colorism. Man. Everybody did. Everybody yeah. Did. But. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, exactly. Like, like, right now, if you were getting ready to do a show over the past week, how could you not? Like, how could you not talk about it? It is, and that's it is why. the number one story in the NFL. Right. It is bled over into the NBA. There are elements of it in the Stanley Cup final because of what happened mm-hmm. here. Devontae Smith. Pelly. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. So I don't know. I don't well, know this, how you this, avoid. This, this, is how I, this is why I get back to insulting your listener. Um, you know, when one of the shootings happened, and I walk into the studio and I told Speaks, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this, and we just started talking about it in that first segment. I ended up breaking down. It's because of the conversation I had with my pregnant lady at the time on the way to work, you know, and because of her interactions. As a child, you know, her, her brother was, was an unarmed child shot by police, no guns found, running from a fight that they thought he was a part of on a train platform. But he was running because, you know, you see a fight, you see police, you want to make sure that you get out of there and get home. I have a police officer uncle. You know, my, my uncle, my other uncle has been shot. You know, by another black man. So all forms of this have have been a part of my life in some way, shape, or form. And then on top of it, you know, I was getting ready to have a son. And if I'm not mistaken, um, out of any person that's had a day part in this city, and I could be wrong, but none of them have gotten ready to raise a black man. You tell me Rokan doesn't have. <laughs> I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, I don't know. I don't know. I saw, know. I saw, I saw Ro on Windy City Live the other day. He's still looking good. So he, maybe he can make a, you know, I maybe look at Val. You know, I mean, I get oh, it. Dude, don't, don't get me started, fam. Oh. But honestly though, like, especially in sports radio, like Jigs had girls. Yep. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't have any kids. I don't kids, have any kids. Right. Jonathan doesn't have Jonathan any kids. Jonathan doesn't have any kids. Riles, I mean, not yeah. that he was on all the time, yeah. but I mean, Riles. he's probably yeah. the closest. The closest, right? So all those things swirling in my head. Like my dad, my dad did things for me and just in the world to make sure that my way would be a little bit easier, right? And I kind of I kind of took that upon myself like, yo, I... I hope to God that my child doesn't have to have these conversations or go through these things, right? I will prepare him to make sure that he isn't unaware or to make sure that he isn't caught off guard. But at the same time, I don't want my kid to have to see dashboard footage or or body camera footage. And I damn sure don't want my kid to be a part of it. So if I can talk to one listener, and let's face it, 25 to 54-year-old men, but... Uh, a large, large number of those men are white men, right? If I can talk to one guy and change his perspective on something, and he is the person interacting in that Starbucks while people are being, you know, taken right. out in, in handcuffs, and he's like, yo, this shouldn't happen here. Or even more so, if that one guy is the police officer who's having a bad day or has had awful interactions with young black men and then runs up on mine and, you know, so you know what? Then it worked. Then it worked. And at the same time, there's a lot of diseases in this country. And racism is the only one that seemingly nobody wants to talk about. And the people that do want to talk about it don't get acknowledged. And that becomes troubling as well. Right? Because we can make jokes. We can watch Rodney King get his ass whooped. We can do all these things. But when it comes down to a real conversation about it, we have real conversations about every other disease in this country. You know, I've raised money for children's oncology. I've raised money for for lupus. I've raised money for for Lurie's. 
You know, I've raised money for breast cancer awareness, raised money for all these places, on all these things. It's not because I need you to credit me or need you to pat me on the back. It's because of things that affect me and I care about deeply. Things that I care about deeply are being put on front street for everybody right now in a way that people of color are deal- dealt with in this country. So why is that such, like, it, how can it make it a worse country if <laughs> if these things are acknowledged and remedied? You know, my parents and my, my grandparents came to this country, and I think a, a foreign upbringing is one where you understand the, and the appreciation for what this country is supposed to represent. But at the same time, you strive to make sure it represents that. And those words are stuck to. So, yeah, man. The term privilege, especially when you, you know, the, 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 the term that, that is in the lexicon now, which, which is white privilege. The, there's a privilege to not having to worry about these things or not having to think about these things. There's, there's, there's something to that. And I just hope that when my son or his son is of age, that they don't have to talk about these things or go through these things. But look, at, look how long we've been talking about this. I mean, you're talking about this since late 1800s, in the 20s, in the 30s, in the 40s. And then, then integration happens and things still aren't where they need to be. Then the 70s and 80s happen. And the crack era happens. Like this is like there are different cycles and in the end, you're seeing the same results. So at what point are you going to be person enough, humane enough to say, oh, maybe I should have a conversation with somebody who isn't like me to figure out what's going on with them? It, it, it's You're so right about the idea of getting through to someone and then them advocating. For sure. And in a lot of cases... I mean, I, I hate to sound, I don't want it to sound trite, but in a lot of cases, we're asking for help. Man. Like, <laughs> like, I need your help. Yeah. You seem like a good person. Yeah. I, I want to tell you what's going on. And I, I need your help because I can't get over this on my own. Mm-hmm. And I think for the most part, people get it. I do think... Um, I, I go back to, you know, something Nikki Giovanni said. She was here a couple years ago, and I've, I've kind of used it as a mantra of uh, optimism is rebellion. Man. And, and I, I love that line from sure. her because it, it's easy for us to descend into the negativity of situations. But I also look at the person, and I've seen it, you know, I've seen it in – I mean, you know, my my extended family is uh, a little different than I am. And and I've seen it in increments with them. But with the people that we deal with on a daily basis, um, there are times when people who you've seen text or tweet. Oh, yeah. And they felt one way and then they see something. They go, you know, that's that's messed up. Yeah what that is yeah. and and it's it's just trying to get to a point where you're not trying to take anyone down it's not it's not a matter of that it's hey equality doesn't mean the reduction of your life or liberties as a person who I, isn't being oppressed i saw something <laughs> that will stay with me forever it's an it's, it's an episode of little house on the prairie okay with Todd Bridges on it. Even better. So he's sitting, is it uh, Michael Landon, right? Yeah, yeah. He's talking with Michael Landon at the end of an episode that was kind of about racism. And this is what, 73? Right. And, and he said to Michael Landon, would you rather live 50 years as a white man <laughs> or a hundred years as a black man. It's kind of a Louis C.K. joke. And, and Michael Landon just kind of kind of sneaks out the back <laughs> right, of the room. Right, right, and, right. And Cut like, to commercial. There's your answer. <laughs> right, right, there, right. There's your answer on the issue. And it's always stuck with me. And it's um, the amount of pressure on your shoulders. Like I think that people don't uh, understand 
unless you unless you go through it. The amount of pressure on your shoulders to never have a bad day in front of anybody, to to never be able to raise your voice uh, the way other people can in the workplace, uh, to to not be able to make the same mistakes. You know, there are, there are people with reputations. I mean, let's keep it in our industry. There are people with reputations in this town who have who have not had to go through some of the things that I have had to go through in my short career. But unfortunately, I have to expect it, you know? And if I don't expect it and push through, then I wasn't one of the strong ones. And that's, that's you know, there's an incredible amount of anxiety that goes along with it, especially once you, once you climb in, a, in an industry that, that you're not represented as much in because the higher you get, one, the people that you've probably been around or related to your whole life think some might think, all right, he's, you know, he's out of here. Like he's, he's not going to rock with us. And then you get higher and then you realize, oh, there's some phonies up here. Like it's so weird, you know? So I've always kind of been caught in between where I am who I am, but it may not be as refined or as polished as, as certain people needed to be, but I feel like that's kind of the charm in all of us, just to make sure that you, you stick to your principles. Like there's a lot of people with no moral constitution that don't know that they don't have it. And mm. they, they don't, um, they've never been, they've never been asked to, to respond in a way that's admirable because they never had to like this situation has shown me a lot of that where, there's no way in hell I would be able to know something was coming down the pipeline for you and not tell you. Like, there's no way in hell I would say, eh, I, I think I could rock with that. Because in the end, I, one, I trust my talent. Two, I know that the people are going to find out. Like, the people, the people can hear it in your voice. They can hear it how you talk. Like we spend four hours and in my instance, five hours, we spend five hours a day with people and they know when you're having a good one. They know when you're having a bad one, but they, they know for sure. Uh, I read something. Um, you're always the last one to know that you've lost your integrity. Like they know for sure. And that's all this is, is entertaining people is being the guy or the girl that people want to talk to, you know, at the end of a bar about sports or at a dinner about sports. But in the end, once the sports and all the other stuff, the life stuff uh, subsides, like, what are you? Like, what can they count on you being? And if you've changed so many times that you don't even know what you are after a while, they're not going to stick. They're not going to stick. That's why, you know, I always appreciated who I was in this business because you know, I didn't take the I didn't take the easiest route, but I damn sure didn't take the route that could be duplicated by anybody. And that's I think what made me because I'm the same dude who would go and you know take a six over there to to 88th and Wabash and hang out with my guys when it wasn't when I probably shouldn't, or go to you know the community center. In Evanston, and Fleetwood Jordan, and hang out with the kids, or my, my buddy Jelani, who's up there running things, or or Jackie Robinson, or, yeah. And and it wasn't because I was trying to get something back; it was because those are the areas I felt comfortable in as well. You know, I went out too much as 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 a kid. You know, when I was what twenty two to twenty six, I was in places that I shouldn't have been in, probably. But you know what? It's you know it's kind of the, it's kind of all the things that go into the mix, into the formula of who you are. Um, and I, I feel like I always stay true to that. There was mistakes. There were mistakes that it, they're made definitely. And that's why people who I've done business with still want me to do business with them because they know that there's certain things that, that they can count on in me. Um, one is me telling you how I feel. One is me being courteous and polite and reliable. You know, these things, these things kind of make up who you are in business and in life. And in the end, you know, I've missed it terribly. Like I've just missing that camaraderie, missing the routine. Like I realized how dependent I was on a routine 
and how much I put into this job and the therapy. Like, I mean, hell, even this podcast, I haven't talked about these things. So that's why it's hit me the way it has. Because, and this is something I was looking at so crazy, Lawrence. This is something I was looking into before it all happened. was like I was getting ready to go to therapy. And people are always like, you still can, you still can. And I know I can. But for years, like just talking to the people was my therapy. Like people didn't know, people didn't know half the stuff I was going through. Like it's complications with my, my lady's pregnancy, you know, Jace being born as early as he was. People knew, but people didn't know what was going on with me. And it's been like that my entire life. Like, so it's funny. I, la- I laughed earlier when you mentioned about always keeping it cool. Like I've always, there's always been like a hurricane on and going on on the inside, man. There's never been moments. I've, I haven't slept through a night and we used to joke about this. I haven't slept through a night since I was like nine, 10 years old. Cause it's always, I've always been thinking about stuff or been worrying, you know, if, if things were good enough or, you know, like maybe not enjoying the moment as much as I needed to, but also thinking about what I needed to get to and what I needed to be. Cause I was, there was always that fear of not being enough. So it was always press on, go forward. You can't deal with this right now. You got to, you got to do the next thing. You got to make sure that, that the people who did believe in you, who do believe in you are validated. So this last couple of months, like this is the long, I have not been, cause I'm still not jobless, but I have not been this kind of unemployed since I was 16. So that's it's 21 years where I've had a routine of getting up and going to work, you know? Wow. So, that's why this last couple of months, as as reflective as it, as it probably should have been for me, it's been, I felt like I got dropped on my head and, you know, life's trying to figure things out for me. But I've never been the let life figure things out for you guy. And the moments are coming, you know. Like, if someone tells you, the October, we on. Well, I got July, August, September. What are we doing here? Like, what, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not... Lawrence, I wake up, and the bad part about it, <laughs> until Charlotte last week, I woke up every day thinking it was a bad dream. Hmm. Like, every day I woke up like, nah, I'm going to work today. Like, come on. And I've been at the station like two or three times since, you know, doing paperwork stuff and all that. And, you know, looking at this, the, the auxiliary studio that I may have to use for some stuff, but like every day because it's been leading up to this, you know, like I've been leading up to this point in my life where it was like, okay, you're on, you're on the track that you set out to be on when you were 10, 11 years old. Like not many people can figure out what they want to be and be blessed enough to be it. You know, that's what we talk about. You know, people, they show those notes where the athletes, Make like I want to be a basketball player when I'm eight, dude. I did that when I was 19 years old. Like I want to be on the radio, and I want people to enjoy me being on the radio. And for the first time in my life, this has been the extended period where I haven't either wanted to be or haven't been. Hmm. There's been days that I, 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 <laughs> it's a cruel, it's a cruel lover this game because, like when she don't have anything for you. Like you wish you had her, and when she when it's great, it's the greatest relationship you have ever been in in your life, and for it to be for it to go the way it did, and for people to speak on this is the other thing too, for people to speak on it without facts, people I respect too, like people that I hold near and dear to my heart about things like. When I read what Terry had to say about it, it kind of, it hurt me a little bit because it's like, no, that's not what happens. I've never been the guy that's done a four-hour show on on anything. If anything, you know me. I got stuff that I don't get to because I want to keep it moving. And I've been the guy that's been told, hey, bring that back, you know. No, I'm on to the next thing. I can't duplicate that feeling again. And those are the things that I was working on mechanically, like, duplicating that feeling understanding like there's so many things man that people don't know about how this went down and it just sucks because all it does is going like i'm i'm not bitter i'm sad 
because the the fulfillment, like the things that I set out to do, they they kind of they they were derailed. So now what I have to do is sit behind and look at people that I know aren't better than me at this, for a fact. Like these are copy and paste dudes. Dudes nobody was clamoring to hear from. I know, like, I know the business. I know the city, and the city has had my back, and I appreciate it. But it's about it's about me fulfilling what I was put here to do, which is be with the people, man. Do the good, the bad, the sh- like. This is this is what it was supposed to be, and it's just it's just weird. I'd rather it be for other reasons. You know, I'd rather it be because the show wasn't doing well. Man, I had was was a hundred twelve percent over budget. Um, I had a meeting with the low T people because I was going to start endorsing their stuff. Oh, nice! Not no, I'm straight. (laughs) Shout out to all the dudes out there who have low T. You know, you might need to do. (laughs) I was just like. I'm Jason Goff. Right. Now, now, before we get started, right. here's oh. my son. And how, Snoop, how Snoop put it. Snoop was like, I don't need it, but some of you out there may. I know. No, that's, no. That cracks me up. Isn't it? That Listen to that Snoop one. Hilarious. No, but I mean, like, we were booked. Like, things were, things were happening. I was getting ready to meet that day with a person from the the, the the low tea place to endorse their products or start selling their products. You know, that's why I do, I will say this too, the sponsors were amazing. Like Amy Kite and Kettle One and Xfinity and all these people who like hit me up and was like, yo, this is this is crazy. This is this is not what it seemed like it should have been, even though we don't know the details. And you know, I just let people you you figure it out for yourself. But like I said before I got all sobby, I just don't want to let it change me because the business has been um, rewarding in ways that I will never be able to explain. I'm not the greatest orator in the world. So trust me when I say this game has given me a lot. But two instances now, it's really shown me how how nasty things can be. You know, the first time that was that was unfortunate. And I there were some things that I could have handled a little bit differently. Like, you know, understanding that bosses want to feel like bosses sometimes. But this one, nah man, I'm not going. Like this one was this one was pure pure D trash. And in the end, you know, for all the people who are like, man, you know, sucks. You know, we got your back. We love you. Like, I still got things I got to do. Like, I still got responsibilities. You know what I mean? Like, to, to have to scramble to figure out, you know, insurance situations for your son who still needs certain care. Like, that's, that's a place that I never, because my dad always took care of business. You know what I mean? So it's that, that, that comparison that I've done all my life. Where it's like, are you are you doing what your father would have done? Are you taking care of things the way you had mm-hmm. you should? So for it to be for it to be taken like that, it's it's been tough. It's been tough. And I've told people everything's gonna be all right because it will be. But, you know, every day is different. Every and then of course with social media, you know, those first couple of weeks, man, dog, like every every time I woke up, I had forty five mentions about how everyone needs to die. You know, the station sucks. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, man, if it was a place where I didn't know people, sure, I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I'm like, those dudes got to eat. Like, Lawrence is still my man. Tanny's still my guy. Like, 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 Rick Camp is good people. Like, what are you talking about? Um, you know? You know, I, I, I forged a friendship with, with, with Mike Mulligan. Like, Mully every morning was my dude because, you know, they had whatever going on. Where they didn't want, he didn't want to talk to Speeds. Speeds didn't want to talk to him. So, all of a sudden, I became his dude. And we talk about basketball. And Brian Hanley has always been solid with me. Hell, Brian Hanley uh, once told me, 
uh, something to the effect of there's there's so many things that if he said them that would be okay, but if I say them, they're not. And I'm like Brian, this is this is this is what we're talking about here. This it's, is- it's, it goes <laughs> back to what I was saying earlier about allies. Like there are some people who sure. who truly get it, who truly understand what the deal is. Well, the business the business is um the business is weird and it's gratifying. And you'll get your instances. I just don't want to be the example, and I don't want to be the instance. So, you know, I don't want to be the guy who's – because I'm not going to be the guy who's out here decrying everything that is the business. But it was it was a jolt to the system, you know, doing something every day, being proud of what you do every day, and coming home and not talking about it. Like, just getting to your life as soon as 6 o'clock hit. Now it's – having so much time to think about it and so much time to think about what I would have done different. And every time I come up with no, I ask myself that question every day and every day I come up with no, because people who didn't like you, they listened. And the people who never were going to change, unfortunate, but the, you know, the few people that they rocked with you or didn't rock with you and said, man, you know, you took me to a different place. I appreciate it. Or you were interesting, you know, I mean, you can feel however you want to feel as long as you feel something. And that's how I've always felt about radio. I listened to Rush Limbaugh when I was a kid. I know he wasn't for what I was for as a person, but he was good at what he did. I listened to Will Kane. I know Will Kane and I don't have anything in common. Other than radio. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But there's some of the things that he does. Or some of the things that he says, or the person that he is, that that, that strikes a chord in me. So you listen, you know, and for it to be as fragile as it is now. And like I keep getting back to for people to insult the listeners the way they do with thinking that the, the lack of intelligence that, that there must be that someone can't possibly have a conversation about something that is relevant that their kids are dealing with every single day, probably that they don't want to talk to them about probably. I don't, I refuse to believe that world exists. I, ref, I, I think that these people are the aliens. <laughs> can you say what's next? Uh, if you can't, well, that's fine. No, no, this paperwork. Um, so I'll be doing some stuff for Sirius XM NBA radio and mad dog sports radio as well. Um, there's, there there are people outside of the city who want me to to be a part of their teams right now and you know I don't I don't want to be away from my son for any extended period of time so I have to mull those things over and you know there's certain things in the city that I'm supposed to be waiting on so you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, at some point, some point I just got to get back to doing what I do, you know, and it's taken me away once. And sometimes you got to learn things aren't for you, but I'm, I've always been hard headed that way. You know, I've always, always tried to win against immeasurable odds. I say it all the time. You're my favorite talk show host. So man, thank you for having me over here, bro. I appreciate you. No, I'm glad this, uh, this is, <laughs> I'm glad that people get to hear you. It's important. It's like, you know, like I was saying, like you have to stay visible, the, like the Fox thing. And I'm happy that yeah. you're out there and you, Shay and Lou, yeah. and you guys do good work together. And shout out to Sarah Spain, who has had my back in ways that I can't even begin to, to kind of tell you. Um, she's, she's been real. She's been a real one in this. And this is a person who I, had very little interaction with before this and she it, it would shock people the relationships that we have across the aisle yeah. are, that are sometimes better than the ones For that sure. we have in the house For and sure. that's it's a little bit weird and but then, it's people, the truth people from the other station hit me up that i didn't even know had my phone number and was like <laughs> they just did a favor for us and i was like hey man i can't I can't celebrate in that because I got to go through it. I got I got to walk through what I'm walking through right now. So, you know, you, you appreciate the people who've cared and listened 
and that they're still riding with you. And in the end, that's, I mean, that's all we've ever really done is make these connections. You know, people have, have gone, people have been fired, people have died. But in the end, it, the connection has lasted, and you remember what you remember about people until until they're not doing it anymore. So I think it's going to be a long time before I'm not doing this anymore, and we'll see what happens next. Well, I hope you enjoyed episode two and a half. Jason spoke a lot of truth. I enjoyed talking with him. I enjoyed hearing his story, and I hope that you enjoyed hearing what he had to say. I know that his fan base of people is legion, so it's good to have him back where people can hear what he has to say, which is a lot. Thanks for the support of the podcast so far. I've been overwhelmed by how many people have downloaded How many people have rated us on iTunes? If you get the chance, give us five stars. That would be great. Next week, we got a great guest for you on the podcast. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I'll let you know via social media. And I think you're going to enjoy the interview. See you next time. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. As Booker T would say, I'm out. I'm out.